Welcome back to the Golden Road Podcast, the number one podcast in the universe. This is Addison. Connor. Jared. Kyle. And this is Anthony. And today we're talking about how to level up in life. So to begin, we're going to talk talk about our apocalypse tip of the day. Uh, the tip is to focus on the process, not the destination. By focusing on the process, you let go of the stress to achieve something and have a lot more fun with what's going on in the actual moment. So, do you guys have any personal anecdotes you want to talk about where you guys focus on the process instead of the destination? The biggest thing I would bring up all the time is working out. You know, you always feel like you want the result of, you know, being at the end of the workout and you've accomplished it and you feel a little bit better. You got your sweat in, um, you know, you kicked your butt and you did it even though it sucked. And something I've realized after years of working out is that in the moment, if you, you know, slow down and are aware and become comfortable, not only do you avoid injury and become more in tune with your body and why you're doing the workout in general, um, but also you learn to not dread seeing the workout coming up because when you just rush through it like it's pain, the next time you have to work out, you're going to be looking at it like, I really have no desire to do this at all, rather than um, you know being comfortable with the process, actually doing what you're able and giving yourself a slight push, um, and then it, it makes it a lot more enjoyable and actually gets you better gratification out of it as, as well. Yeah, for sure. Talk, talking about working out, I mean, you're not going to get gains all in one day. Like It's all about the process, all about putting in that hard work every single day so that you're seeing progress uh, incrementally. Um, and by enjoying the process and actually going through that, you're going to see those gains and you're going to appreciate how your body feels, how your mind feels, how your soul feels. Um, instead of just expecting to be there immediately. And if you just expect there to be there immediately, you'll never get there. Um, 100%. You guys agree? For sure. You know, what if you ever think that, like, you know how, like, culturally and, like, societally, we, like, we try to develop this notion that, like, doing a good job makes something, like, you appreciate it more like what jared was saying earlier like if you build a house with your own two hands and you're like wow i appreciate this house rather than if you just got that house like you ever think what if that's just like the system trying to like mind control us and really just slaves and they're like oh hey like find your self-worth or like find happiness and fulfillment by doing a good job doing like trying your best doing your best and like putting in the max amount of effort like what if that's just like their way of like like slowly indoctrinating us and they've been doing it for generations after generations and literally just to get us to be more docile workers I'll say if that's mind control, that's a good form of mind control. I would say that they have a positive, <laughs> positive uh, result that they're chasing with that. Quite honestly, I mean it's good for you Nothing. because you feel the self accomplishment out of what you're doing instead of um, doing things just because you're told to and not actually having any gratification in it and you know going your whole life doing that. I would rather do something that I take pride in for sure. So it's more of a positive spin, you know. Life is work. And a lot of people don't want to accept that, especially when you're turning 18 and moving out of your house. You don't want to accept that you're going to have to go out and actually provide something to society, not even just work, but do a good job at work. Otherwise, you're near like you're not really adding a lot of value to people's lives. And it's, you know, it's very tough living with yourself because I've been there when I wasn't putting passion into what I was doing. And um, you, you kind of notice that you're not really adding a lot of value to society and you kind of, you know, come to the the fork in the road and you're like, what am I doing? Am I going to do something that actually makes me happy and makes me feel like I'm adding value? Because that's what life is. And really, if you're not doing that, you kind of end up in a, in a mental place that you don't want to be where you're worrying what your value to yourself and your peers actually is. 
Yeah, that's a very good point. I think. I think finding something that you're passionate about is very important. When you don't have that passion, it just feels like work, and it feels like someone's controlling you to try to do something. But if you have that passion and you enjoy it, and going back to the apocalypse tip of the day, if you enjoy that process, um, then it, it doesn't feel like work. Like if you find something that you're truly passionate about, then it feels more like play. And by you going through that process, um, uh, you mm-hmm. actually enjoy what you what you're doing and what you're providing to other the value that you're providing to other people, instead of feeling like it's mind control. No, but like, what if, what if the, okay, but A, I think there are people that are out there that can basically make their living and find all the resources that need in order to survive uh, by literally just skimming off to the top and taking off, like taking other people's like utility that they produce through their labor and time. Okay. And what if you're the thing that gives you like, what if like trying to figure out like, okay, you turn 18, you have to go provide uh, service to the general economy or to society in general. And you want to do something that is within your best interest in terms of like whatever gives you your truth, your vision of whatever makes you, gives you fulfillment. What if that itself is the indoctrination, right? What if they're just like, oh, hey, by doing this, this is the most productive thing. This is how you do yada, yada, yada. And you're so busy trying to figure out what, what that is, what your self-passion is. If there's just people that are like undercutting everything that you do, slowly taking out uh, like a chunk of whatever you do and just using that in like their own scheme and using that to live off of. Can you give an example? Huh? Can you give an example? Not to be like too out there, but you could say like taxes are a form of that. You could say that like literally, what if there's just someone that's a pure middleman, right? Like, and you can make the argument that like, sure, maybe this middleman is providing a service because these two like separate entities may may not have interacted with each other. And maybe there would have been like some sort of like economic loss had they not been able to. But what if you're actually, your fundamental purpose is you're just lying to these people. You're saying that like, oh, person A doesn't exist or person B doesn't exist. And you're the one that's like transacting these things. But like in, 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 like, in an economy where both of those people were not there, they would be able to like interact with each other. I, mean, I think there's definitely people that focus on extortion more than help being or providing value to people. So there, there are people that have that mindset and use people's goodwill to try to make them work their hardest just so that they're getting benefit. I think the I key, I think the key is to find something that like you're truly passionate about instead of just trying to be a cog in someone else's wheel of life. You know? I mean, I think that definitely exists, but I think in the grand scheme of things, like, we're coming on Earth, it's a process of learning how to live in the 3D, how to how to develop our bodies, how to develop what we're passionate about, um, and how to grow as individuals and provide value to other people. I mean, it's that, I think that's just the nature of the human experience. Right, but like, what if the thing that gives you the most fulfillment is just laying around on the grass, shitting in your like shitting on yourself, and then rolling around your own feces? And people, maybe people will pay to like laugh at you. Look at this guy; he's just like laughing. He's just rolling around his own defecation. It's fucking hysterical. If that's what you love, and you're getting paid to do it, then do it. Yeah, but good luck getting paid to do that. that. You know, right, but uh, the argument yeah. that you can find some economic value. And get the they need to survive but what if like what if your passion is just being a human snorlax if you just like you genuinely just like laying there you're not i mean people have found effect. passion in things that don't actually add value to human life and that's what i was talking about earlier is it comes down to you're going to see the reaction from your family and friends around you and whether you value that or not is up to you but i mean you're also going to notice the reaction yourself and uh, unless you're a complete sociopath you're going to take into account other people's reactions to what you're doing and see if it adds any actual value if you're putting on this performance and people genuinely love it every day and 
you get someone come up to you once in a while that that says, man, I thought I was just such an embarrassing mess and seeing you save my life. Maybe you hear things like that. And maybe that truly adds so much value to humanity that you're going to keep doing that as ridiculous as it might sound. No, Anthony, I get you. And you're making, you're making your, your point. While I agree with it does make sense. However, I'm trying to say that I'm trying to make uh, a more like, I guess, from like an economic perspective, right? Cause like the value that you provide the people around you, you can make the argument that that is more important, but at the end of the day, like that is subjective, right? I'm saying that basically Addison, you guys are trying to say that like, you need to figure out what you like to do in life, do that every day. And that, that is how you contribute and level up throughout society. And that's how you get like good value within yourself. Right. I'm trying to say that like rolling around in your feces, sure. You can make, maybe make money off that. Some and films it you save people's lives like god damn i was gonna fucking kill myself then i saw you rolling around on diarrhea and then i decided to live another day i put the fucking pills down you know i put the fucking gun down but then like what what if you're just picking these things that are like the path of like least evil right like you're like okay obviously like what if me personally i just want to lay in my bed all day and just jerk off and do literally nothing i want to do nothing like i there's no way that anyone is going to find any economic value from this but i realize that i have to provide to society somehow i'm not going to be able to eat right i'm going to be on the streets i'm going to be like i'm literally going to have i'm going to have nothing right so then i'm going to just pick like okay i guess like accounting doesn't seem that bad so like i somehow convinced myself and society like the collective consciousness is just like oh you have to do this you have to do this this is kind of like this big echo chamber and eventually i convinced myself that like okay accounting is good i help people i can save people's money maybe i can like help people avoid wrongful like persecution and bullshit I, i'm not saying that's what happens i'm just saying what if that's what happens right i mean i think there is definitely a scheme where you have to make some sort of mo- like you have to make money to survive to make to live to eat um Unless you can off land. what were you saying jared Unless you can farm off the land, I mean, there are different cultures throughout the world where they, they they don't really interact so much with other people outside their, you know, honestly, even square mile. Um, unless, uh, yeah, if, maybe they are self-sufficient, but obviously they don't have running water. They don't um, have electricity. They, they literally are self-sufficient. Uh, but they do sometimes build, uh, they, they'll make cloths and sell them at the local markets um they're, they're a little bit different um, yeah well, there's one over here um in grand rapids where they ship all all these materialistic things like uh pots and, and artifacts uh art pieces that are made by say the maasai tribe um which is right outside kilimanjaro in east africa tanzania um and they help employ these people give them a source of, of income uh by exploiting i don't want to say exploiting but bringing their products here to america for well what's 50 percent of all marketing dollars spent in the world is here in america i hope that was going towards your point that you were making addison there yeah um i mean i think living like a self-sufficient life or being off the grid or just being able to live off the land is the biggest level up that you could do. I've been very torn between thinking like, so there's a level up where you can just make a lot of money and live a very popular, like become like very popular and kind of like, so I've been kind of thinking that like there's one route where you're, it's more of like the devil's route where you're, feeding into this kind of like 
social system where you're making a lot of money, you're buying Gucci. Doing things for clout and having a lot of money. Clout, money, and all this other stuff versus the other route where it's more you're a light worker and you're helping people, providing them with uh, more value. and Think Elon Musk. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's understanding, like, where's the line in that? Because while money is is not necessarily bad because where you if you have more money you can help more people there i think there's a mindset with like leveling up that you can do it either way where you can level up as a light worker where you're helping more people and you're um providing a lot of good to society and then there's the level up where you're becoming super popular and you're going you're clout chasing and you're just uh i feel like that's more like the devil's route versus the light route. What do you guys think? Either you're doing actions that will create the most amount of good for the most amount of people, or you're doing actions that, uh, if you want to think, you know, formalistically, um, if if you do something that everyone else would do, it defeats the purpose of, of that action. Um, say you're driving down the highway in a two-lane highway going one way. And there's a shoulder there um, that there's enough space for a car to go down, um, but technically it's against the law. Say you want to go out and take the extra road because you know your exit's coming up. There's some slow people in front of you, and you got to get somewhere. Um, if you go out of that way and zoom across everyone and get to your exit, technically that's unethical because if everyone could do that, that would defeat the purpose. Um, rather than you just waiting and being patient for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Well, why, shouldn't everyone just act within their own best interest? I mean, how does that help you level up if you're just acting in your best interest? Because if you're playing, with, if you're acting within your own best interest, then you know that you're leveling up. Like you're playing your game. I feel like but, if you're always give and take. Huh? I mean, I think give and no one else would want to help you if you're only helping yourself. You always want to find that win-win situation. If you only find for win-lose in your benefit, no one will want to work for you. So you have to be in this position. No, I mean, look, you can take, take like some Nash equilibrium perspective and be like, okay, maybe we could come together this way. Like if you produce this much, I produce this much, then we can corner the market this way. We can do whatever. You can make any form of example. Like in some scenarios, a partnership is the best case scenario. Like mm-hmm. acting with your own best interest doesn't necessarily mean just like, oh, fuck everyone else. Like it's just like, I'm going to prioritize myself. And like, if it's within my best interest to collaborate with someone else for a short time or a short duration or any time, you know, at, at literally any duration, then that's still within your best interest. Yeah, you got me there. You got me there. Right. Yeah, um, I mean, you definitely have to consider yourself into the equation because if you're just giving, giving, giving and never getting anything back, then you're just going to run yourself into the ground. And uh, I think about it this way with, you know, I, I do want to give, um, at least 10% of my income as the Bible instructs me as, as a follower of at least the Bible. I don't want to say Christianity because I don't like holding myself to that. But right. uh, there is, uh, I, I believe, I like to think of it about it this way. If you have your, your hand, you have money in your hand and you clench your hand together, you make that fist, there's no way that God or, or, or the universe can give you money because you're holding on to your money so tightly. But if you open your hand up, and both allow it to give to other people and receive and, and have that, that free flow, 
you'll find life will come easier. I like that imagery. And I have seen a lot of things recently too, where kind of when you let go is when good things start to happen. Like you have so much fear, you know, you get a little bit of money, you go into conservation mode. Um, you know, you don't really want to let anyone in. You don't want to lose that money. But the only way to build is to have a little bit of risk as well and to allow to give and to as well receive, not as much as take. And a lot of people, it is finding kind of that fine line between what do you actually need? You know, what luxuries is it? Is it nice to have in your life or should you be passing off to others? And that's what we're doing here. You know, life is a game and it's fun and overthinking it too much and, and getting stressed about it too much is not good for the health of you or the ones around you. So, um, you know, that's why we do things like this and have good conversation about it. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I mean, for me, I, I mean, my goal in, in life, I mean, I want to provide as much good to other people. I mean, I see myself as a light worker trying to help other people see the light and shine my light so other people can gain some benefit from that. Um, but ultimately, think about like society, my ultimate goal is I want to live off grid. I want to live in the mountains. I want to be able to ski. I want to live off the off the land. I mean, I want to get the true human experience. Um, but I don't necessarily agree with this, the whole structure that society has laid out for us. Like going back to kind of what Kyle was saying. Um, well, I don't a hundred percent agree that it's a mind control game. It, there is this kind of false narrative that they've spun that says like, you have to be in this in this position to kind of have have value in society and make money and and have this kind of like status um, where people actually see you as valuable versus working on yourself growing on a spiritual level evolving like evolving yourself so that you see past this illusion that they're laying out for you um, and being able to navigate carefully through that instead of following into some of these devil traps like cloud chasing and just trying to make a whole bunch of money and never really helping people in society. I mean, I, I, going back to what uh, you guys were saying, like definitely opening your hand and letting that free flow. Um, and I think that got, for me that goes into like thinking about free flowing with like helping other people as as well as free flowing through your energies as well like think about like the chakra systems and being aligned with life and um finding that that true balance where you're where you're both helping people in society and you're also evolving as an individual on a spiritual level so i think Mm. it's definitely about finding that balance i think what do you guys think I like where your head's at a lot. I'm, I'm not even going to delve too much further into it. Like you have a lot of mindsets that I've been kind of striving to get towards because recently I came out of clout chasing and uh, being greedy and only wanting my money for myself. And um, I feel like I'm more working on myself and um, also being very generous as well. And it, it feels so much better. You know, it's, it's not so necessarily letting people leech off of me, but Oh my God, life has, has felt so much better. So that just resonates with me a lot. And I, I definitely love where your head's at. Yeah. But I, for a while I spent time just, I took a hiatus from social media, from the internet, from trying to fulfill other people's expectations and just focusing on 
I, I, I like to call it like the infinity loop of life where you're, where you're getting those both extremes and you're, you're, di- you're diving into this kind of uh, hero's journey um, and you're going into a lot of the, some of the, a lot of more negative parts of life and seeing that perspective as well as the mo- much more positives and being able to bring that back into like who you are as an individual. Um, so that's really how I've focused on leveling up in life by going through that hero's journey and it hasn't been for anyone else it's been for myself it's been um like a lot of the stuff like i never recorded because it, i wanted to focus on that process i wanted to focus on what what i was doing in the moment whether it was like meeting people like homeless in florence and seeing how they they were living life and just hanging out with them versus like just all the people that I, so I was going to school at uh, uh, Saatchi in Florence for art and design. And, um, and now you feel you're at a better point of progress where you can actually present that type of thing uh, to followers and actually have something more of, of value to share. Yeah, I love so that. And I can tell that. I'll tell you the other day, um, Jared actually takes some of the coolest photos. I'm, I'm plugging him right now, but he's taking the best pictures of me I've ever seen in my life. Like all the top 10, he's got every single one of them. I don't know how he does it. Maybe it's the pixel phone. Uh, but the other day, he went to my Instagram and asked why I deleted everything. And I just didn't really act surprised or like it was a big deal. And it's something I did before. I had um, like over a thousand followers, which in the grand scheme of things isn't that much. But for me, uh, you know, it's not like I was doing anything super special. And I got to that point, I deleted my whole Instagram account because I felt like I was trying to keep up some kind of character that I was growing out of. I was a hermit crab in a shell that didn't fit me anymore. And so I just cut it off. Every single follower gone, every single picture gone and started over with, you know, who I was. And I just did that recently the other day. It's not like those things don't exist anymore that I'm embarrassed that they're out there. If someone pulled them up or brought them up, I would, you know, I would look at them very fondly and be able to talk about them and laugh and things like that. But sometimes just for myself, I need to kind of do the same thing and just check myself and reset a little bit because I'm becoming a new character and I have a new space that I need to grow into that has kind of outlasted the one that I had set for myself as my standard previously. Nice. Yeah. You, definitely going through that evolution i i've done the same thing where i mean before i was focused on numbers and followers and seeing what other people thought of me and i mean i really got into a rut where i was very anxious depressed i wasn't satisfied with where i was in life even though i was going to the university of michigan getting very good degrees you know it it was a real struggle for me because like i feel like a lot of people get to these like top places in life you see a lot a lot with like celebrities who have like a lot of followings um they they have all this following and they have all this money but they don't, really don't know who they are on a spiritual level so being able to express themselves in yeah. in certain ways is very hard for them and they find that the more money you, you get i mean it doesn't necessarily bring more happiness um and uh so i mean yeah, I which think, which is the better way way to go? I don't know, Jared. There's there's two ways that we can if you look at this of how you can level up. Um, I almost want to say where you can level up among uh, your peers, um, your, your social standing. Maybe um, you know, maybe you got some degrees now. You got some certifications. Uh, all, all maybe materialistic things and um, outward looking, definitely outward looking. And then there's the, the total opposite, polar opposite of where you can level up within yourself. 
you can come through personal breakthroughs. Maybe you want to break through some cer certain relationships um, with your family and things like that, or you want to um, yeah, personal fitness goals, or even, Hey, you want to make your bed every day when you get out of bed and um, you know, keep your, your house clean and, and orderly. Those can be inward looking levels of, of your, your personal life that you can also advance in. There's two ways. There's social, and then there's inward, inward looking. Well, what are your thoughts? Uh, maybe yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, there's the micro and macro, right? I mean, you focus on developing little habits, like making your bed every day, working out, just develop like eating healthy, and those will incrementally help you evolve. To like, you may not see the progress right away, but I mean, you'll you'll feel a lot better mentally. Like you you'll be able to have a lot more passion to put in and energy to put into what you actually want to be doing instead of just going, going, going and burning yourself out. Um, there's, I mean, there's definitely a, a, trying to find that healthy balance between that. Um, you definitely have to focus on developing those, those foundational habits that are going to help you uh, like evolve and grow. Absolutely. And then there, there's external stuff like how now I'm doing this podcast and I want to get, into sharing my message more on social media and because i had because i've gone through that process of developing myself on a spiritual level as well as a physical level um i mean i i don't i mean i'm now more able to um develop myself out in in the 3d and be able to share my message and hopefully help a lot of people so what do you guys think um, something that I heard you reference in there was like making a bed. And honestly, that's something like I saw a YouTube video of a Navy SEAL commander giving a speech at a graduation and something he was talking about was make your bed. And I was like, man, I never make my bed. And the reason why I said to do it is because you started your day with just the littlest, easiest accomplishment, but an accomplishment nonetheless that you're going to feel good about. And all throughout the day, no matter how bad it gets, you know that at least in the morning, you're going to come home to a made bed like you did something that day. And I'm not, I'm not going to lie, I don't make my bed every day, but the reason why I make my bed is because I heard that, not because my parents told me to. Like, it actually gave me reason. I feel that. Like, I make my bed, I'm a little bit proud of it, as silly as that might be, you know? Fold up your laundry, put it away instead of leaving it in the basket. You're a little bit proud of it. So doing those things definitely build and, and make you feel good about your day. Yeah, I have the same, same speech. I, I, I started making my bed uh, every day, like a couple, couple months ago, and I feel a lot better for it. Like, I... I walk into my room and oh, I haven't made bed. It makes make me makes me have a better like mindset when I'm in this space. And yeah, I may lay in my bed, um, but uh, like it's it's made, and I I have like a a reading pillow, and I may read a book or watch YouTube videos. But at least I have that space instead of like oh, I'm gonna crawl back into my unmade bed and fall asleep and not be productive. The cave, absolutely. Yeah. I feel you there. Connor, do you have any input? Yeah, I feel like it's good, good practice to have something that you do positive when you wake up. Like you make your bed, you get started with your day that way. You're almost always going to have like some motivation to do the next thing, doing something like that. So there's a lot of benefits to it, I think. I, I agree with that Navy SEAL idea and stuff. Navy SEAL's idea. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jared, do you want to 
talk about uh, what you want to talk yeah. about for the culture? Absolutely. Um, so basically, uh, the, the one big one that I have is about surrounding yourself with five people. Because, you know, um, so uh, people say, it's in many books, that you are like the five people that you're around the most. Um, you know, if you've got you know, roommates, maybe, maybe some of your coworkers, you're most like their, um, uh, their, their personalities it's just because they rubs off on you. So yeah, if you're the you average can, of the five people that you surround yourself with. Absolutely. If, if you can actually surround yourself with people that are uh, both mentally and outwardly higher, you know, a couple levels above from where you are right now. If you're on a scale of one to 10 and, and say right now you're at a three in this category or, or just throughout life. And, you know, maybe you've got a couple other friends that are, you know, threes, three and a halfs. You're only, you guys can't grow as much as if, say, you're meeting with a five or, or a six. That's where you're going to be able to find the most personal growth. And that's going to bring you up. Say you've got your average, you've got some, you got some eights, you got some fours, maybe one four, you got a, a six and a seven. And you, you find your average, okay, you're about a 6.4. And this is all numerical. I, I work really good in numbers. So you're, mm. you're finally pulling yourself up six months after this. You know, you, you're taking time out of your week. You are saying, grabbing, grabbing coffee with this older gentleman that uh, you, you're hoping is a good mentor to you. He owns a really successful business and uh, just a good family life. You, you know, you want to be able to surround yourself with those kinds of people. That way you can learn from their idiosyncrasies, learn what it is that their daily habits are that have help them to grow to be so successful to where they are right now you know so but then you also have to realize that okay now you're say now you're almost a you're almost a five you're, you're getting close you're up there but you, you you can't stay there you still got some friends that are some fours <coughs> maybe some friends that are some sixes you're not going to be able to grow unless you are always looking for that next level. If you stay stagnant, you're, you're, you'll never reach that five. You're still going to be below average. But but as you grow and mature and continually do your work to find other people that are levels above you, you'll you'll finally see that that clear that clear vision. And then there's also this is a two way street. You also need to do the diligence of finding other people that were once in your position and bring them up as this is a life journey. We're all in this together. And if you have the heart to even get up to those higher levels, you'll surely then see yourself wanting to help other people in your same position. So again, we are looking to surround ourselves. I, I want to challenge each of us here. And this was uh, honestly an, an answered prayer because the past couple of months I had been longing for a little bit, something else, so, you know, some people, um, a little bit higher next level from where I was at right now. And I think, you know, Connor, you've got a lot of great knowledge in the market and, and, you know, just financial data and things like that, that, you know, I haven't been able to find recently, except for my great friend, Andrew and Addison, you're really well grounded and, I love seeing just how, how well you connect with 
with like the spiritual nature of things. And, you know, that's what something I was looking for too. And I'm really happy that I was able to take this next level and, and find other people that in certain categories are above from where I am. Uh, Anthony, you definitely want to say something? I, I definitely wanted to jump on what you're saying a little bit, because I know we've been talking about this five person thing a lot. And it's been something huge for me. And there's two things that I wanted to touch on with that. The first thing would be with the five people. If you don't have five people, anyone is going to come in and you're going to start migrating and being a little bit like that person. That is a very dangerous place to be because if you're an introvert, a loner, or whether you're an extrovert and go through your depressive periods or whatnot, anyone can just pop in your life and you're longing for that fourth, fifth, third person, whether you know it or not. So be very conscious of who the most prevalent five people in your life are and the other thing i want to touch on with jared especially is jared and i've been friends since third grade we've known each other for a very long time we've been living together for a year almost a year something like that um i have been a person at times over the last year especially for myself i won't get into super detail on this podcast but where i would not feel like i would be a beneficial fifth person in somebody's circle and i've been making a very very intense effort the past couple of months to fix that in myself to a point where not just making other people happy, um, not doing it for other people, but really doing it because it's who I am and getting back to who I am instead of putting on some kind of act and being a character in someone else's circle that they need me to be, um, you know, becoming somebody to be that, that fourth, fifth, third person in somebody else's circle to make them feel better about themselves. I have to actually be myself. And then when I started doing that, I realized I did not fit in those toxic people's circles anymore. And they kind of just slowly moved out of my life. And then I've been more of a benefit into the people who actually mean a lot to me's circles. I've been rebuilding the skills that I had lost and the benefits that I had to them before. Um, so that, that five person rule is so instrumental. And I love that you brought that up, Jerry. Yeah. I've, I've definitely seen that in my own life as well. Um, I mean, over the past couple of months, I've kind of done the same Anthony where I've taken a step back. I, since graduating from the University of Michigan, a little bit more of a toxic environment. Um, while I haven't burned any bridges, I've definitely taken a step back from some of those friendships and and focused more on myself and developing who I am and getting healthy and getting back into a right mindset. So I was in a position to bring back in the people that I want to truly be in my life, which are all, all the people in this, in this podcast. Um, I mean, there's some other people as well, but maybe they're not ready to be in my life as much, um, which is fine. And maybe I'm not ready to be in their life. So, I mean, timing, I think is key. timing is definitely key. Um, yeah, I mean, all of you guys, have, I see you guys are very smart and very have the world to add to whoever circle you guys are in. And I'm glad that you guys are in my circle and that we're having this podcast right now because we have lot, I think we have a lot of stuff, great things to talk about. And um, I think we all can help level each other up. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm just laughing over here because all I can think about right now is like, I think it was Centel. Like back in 2006, there was this phone company where you would get to choose your, your top five people, your top seven people. And it would be free to call or text them. But everyone else, you know, you had to pay your standard rates. It's like <laughs> we are able to use those five people and and use all those those free resources, you know, 
I don't want to say free, but we're still building that relationship with that person and getting that information from them at such a low cost. You know, maybe maybe it's a weird analogy, but phone companies, man, back in the day, now everything's unlimited. (laughs) Yeah, everything's unlimited now. I almost forgot about that, the whole, like, pick your friends deal. And there's even a clip in the office where Michael Scott was like, I didn't even know who my five friends are. And if if you know the office, if you look at Michael Scott, (laughs) look at the people that he lets into his life because he doesn't really have his five main friends. He'll he'll take anybody. So that's a great thing to bring up with the phone company. I love that. Yeah. The office is great. So many life lessons. Sir Anthony, you want to talk a little bit more about your experiences and who you are as an individual and since you're our honored guest today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, I mean, just as a a general recap, I was in special operations in the Navy for less than two years. I never saw action. I was never deployed, like never, never anything super serious, but it was a big part of my life that kind of um, showed me mentally the places where you can push yourself. I've also seen myself be very lazy and and take for granted the things that I have and be in very mentally low places. I tend to go very high in spikes and very low in valleys. And the people that stick with me uh, know this well, um, but they kind of learn to appreciate them both because it ends up being fruitful at the end of the day. Um, one thing that I found is being super, super helpful to me recently that uh, Jared and I's roommate, Jace, uh, kind of introduced me to was scheduling my day um even one day he just blocked everything out by 15 minutes like we're gonna get all this done in two hours each has a 15 minute thing and i was like man there's no way i would spend like two days getting this stuff done we got every single thing done in that segmented um time stamp that we that we blocked off for everything and i realized if i don't schedule my day um for the most part humans are a little bit inherently lazy um you know we don't really want to go for that kind of meaning and giving back to the public that we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast. Um, so scheduling is super helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, you spend forever making food. You, you take two hours deciding to shower while looking at your phone on your bed. I mean, I shouldn't say you because this is me. Like I'm telling I mean, real I life <laughs> like, I think we all kind of fall into that rut sometimes if we don't schedule out. I mean, you see that on the, on the weekends. I mean, I've definitely, now that I've graduated and have that like set schedule, like I've, I mean, I've spent some more time just uh, focusing on getting healthy, and, but I definitely need to get back into the schedules. That's a very good point. Absolutely. And Jared and I keep uh, whiteboards on our walls. And, um, you know, a, a huge thing is I used to have my whiteboard and I would have my list of, you know, maybe um, anywhere between three to 10 things on my list that I absolutely had to get done. And then I would find myself working all week, not getting anything done in my work days. And then the weekend comes and maybe I get two things done on one of those days. And then the next day, maybe I get one thing done. Man, I would get that entire list done in one work day now if I just block it off by 15 minutes and actually look at how simple all of the things are. But instead, I make it such this big looming task in my head. Um, I don't know if Jared touched on this, but instead of looking up at this high cliff, where all the all the happy people are and stuff and you're like how do i get up there there's no way look down and just look at the next step there's a step right in front of you you might have to take a lot of steps it's going to take a second but instead of looking up and just saying there's no way you know break it down one at a time one 15 minute segment Absolutely. at a time it's not as big as it seems i'm so happy you touched on that yeah that's what i was gonna say as well and that's kind of like the philosophy of the golden road i mean how well i started it sophomore year of college and I was kind of 
I had these goals and I kind of didn't really know how to get there and I realized that a lot of people like what three per what three percent actually set goals one percent write them down I don't know if I'm getting that percentage right but like there's a lot of people that's that just me, whichever one it is wow they don't have they don't have goals or they don't even write them down and they they never achieve them because they don't even know the steps to actually take so I mean in the future I definitely want to create a goal setting social media site where you're realizing like what is the next step that I can be taking right now to be able to get to where I want to be in life uh, like what what is my goal in life make that golden and then follow the road to get there something else that I'd like to bring up that um, I know we were talking about earlier how Jared was talking about you know building a house with your own two hands having appreciation uh, for the quality of life that you have, the things that you have, um, you know, and, you know, something that I even realized today, I, I just had a lunch of like bison meatballs that I made with a whole bunch of organic fruits and vegetables. And it was amazing. And I was, I was very appreciative um, that I had these things. And I'll say even in the past when I've had very high quality foods um, and things like that, it, it still doesn't feel good eating them if I'm not appreciative for it. If I'm just, you know, focusing on the end game of just having eaten it, instead of enjoying the process of eating it and, you know, what got me to the place where I could afford having these nice things and the point where I taught myself to cook these nice things, all that just comes like an overwhelming gratitude when I, when I eat food like that now. And, you know, the same thing, I, I had a very, very nice car that I upgraded to at work. And instead of being appreciative for it, I was just taking it in my head as, oh, this is just a normal step. I'm making money. I should have a nice car. And um, I took it for granted. And I actually lost that car. I, I totaled that vehicle and all is good. My insurance covered it for actually more than I bought it for, which ended up being a blessing. Um, and, you know, I got a new car. I've been planning on getting on the way, planning with Jared that I'm you know, going to take a lot more appreciation for. Um, but really just look at the things you have and have some gratitude for them. Or, I mean, really the universe takes them away, whether it's physically taking my car away that I can't drive anymore because it's totaled or whether I'm still eating the good quality food. But really, it, it I might as well be eating McDonald's in my head because I don't really feel good about it. Yeah, I mean, the gift is the present, right? I mean, you got to appreciate what you have because one day it could all be gone. I mean, we've see, seen that a lot with, like, natural disasters. Like, you have everything one day, and then the next day everything's gone. And you really see what is what is truly important in your life. And I think we're seeing that now with this whole quarantine thing. Um some of those things that we may have taken for granted, like going out to events, like sporting events, or um, going out and seeing people, parties, networking, like social interaction. Uh, like <laughs> friends now, like, like there, there's so many people that I, I want to go and visit. Like I've got so many people over in Detroit, um, in Dearborn, uh, you know, that I want to go and visit so bad because I haven't seen them in so long, and. I know that when I do finally go get to visit them, I'm going to cherish that moment so much more because there's just more yeah, value absolutely. on it. It took more to get what, I, what I'm getting. So, yeah. You definitely realize what you had when it's gone. Um, I'll circle back a tiny bit to the car I was talking about. I kind of had to eat a little bit of a piece of humble pie and go back to my rusty old 2002 vehicle I was driving. And I mean like rusty and dented, but I'll be honest with you, that car came in so clutch for me. We call it plan B because 
two times I've totaled a car now and had that car just by luck. I hadn't sold it yet after I got the new one. The tracker, the tracker, the Chevy tracker, man. It might as well be a tank. I mean, that thing is going to roll till the wheels roll off. And I already found a kid in high school who's going to purchase it from me when I get my new car. It's going to be his first car. I could not be happier. I am getting a Tesla. Man, you spoiled it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting a, absolutely. But, you know, I'm getting a used Tesla Model S that was within my price range. You know, it doesn't have four-wheel drive, but, oh, my God, this car is going to be a massive level up from the tracker. I I can't even think about the Cadillac anymore. Yeah, and you're going to appreciate that a lot more. Oh, my God, yeah. Uh, Your Tesla in Michigan, like, how is that? I really don't know. The Tesla works amazing in Michigan. They actually did all of their winter road testing in Michigan, and people in the Arctic Circle have Teslas with just rear-wheel drive, and they conduct themselves better than any other vehicle. They do, like, hundreds of adjustments per second Damn, on that's the real computer. But also, like, there, there's, like, places to charge your – like, if you go shopping or whatever, like, you'll be able to get, like, an electric charging spot, right, and stuff like that in Michigan. Right? Chargers all over the place. When you put in the GPS where you're going, it shows you where all of the charging, supercharging stations are along your route and how much mileage you'll have less, left by the time you get there. People have a lot of anxiety about the mileage issue, and it's so easy. And then, of course, you have your charger at home as well, which I'm contacting an electrician to get set up in my parking garage. But, hey, I'm, I'm willing to do it for the culture. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, Connor. Yeah. Oh. Anthony, you were say I was just going to close off with one yeah, quick thing. So I, I saw a Dan Bilzerian podcast, actually. I, he might have even been talking to Joe Rogan. He was talking about being at a 10. You know, when I was at the tracker, um, I was at a 10 because I didn't have a car before that. I really needed to get to work. And I bought that tracker for like $1,400. I was at a 10. When I bought that Cadillac, uh, I was at a 10. You know, if I would have bought a car like a Chevy Cruze, I would have also been at a 10 because it would have been way better than the tracker. So kind of notice the standards that you're setting yourselves for being at like levels of happiness. Um, because now with the Cadillac, now that it's gone and things like that, I'm going to get this Tesla. And um, of, of course, I'm probably going to be at a 10 compared to right now. But in my mind, that's not like, um, you know, the biggest, best thing that's ever going to happen to me. I'm almost accepting it as this is how my life is. I have nice things and I, I deserve the nice things and I'm generous with the nice things and put them to good use. You know, if you're eating your good food and you're not working out, probably not really putting it to very good use or feeling good about it. So um, when I certainly when I get this car, I'm, I'm going to appreciate it a lot more and be putting it to good use and and be generous with it and be careful with it. And um, it's such a beautiful thing knowing that, you know, the the accident was a blessing in disguise and no one was hurt. And, you know, a, a almost safer, more beautiful car came out of it. So it's kind of crazy how things like that work out if you just kind of open your eyes in the face of bad things kind of happening sometimes. Yeah, it's funny how life kind of does that. Like, you may go through the worst situation in life, um, but what comes out of that may be way more beautiful than what you had going into that situation. So, I mean, you just got to have that perspective where every every situation in life is a learning experience and everything is is growth and progress towards where life is ultimately going to take you. Um, so never having that like growth, having that growth mindset where like whatever, whatever life throws at me, I'm ready to take it no matter what it is. And I'm, I'm ready to see what happens, you know? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. I, I no longer have resentment about, you know, the tracker. I, my ego took a little bit of a hit when I went back to it and, 
I realized how how well that car served me and, and how it's been there for me and things like that. And, you know, um, like I said, just appreciation for what I actually do have, even if it's a downgrade. You know, at, at least it's something. I could have had no car. Yeah, you could have you know? walked to work. Exactly. Bike. I mean, bike is not bad. You can get some or waste a lot of money with Uber. Like, there's opportunities, but yeah. man, that car was a savior. And at first, I looked at it as, oh, you got to be kidding me. No, absolutely not. It was it was a beautiful thing. I was very very fortunate to still have. Hey, and even if you had an Uber, look at the bright side. You can meet some cool people along the way. You know, you never yes, know. Yes, you can. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, we're gonna go into our last segment uh, with Connor. Uh, do you know what you're going to talk about? Um, Any future predictions or personal anecdotes or anything? Let's see. Well, I actually like the topic that we were on right there about... Do um, you want to continue it? Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I guess we could talk about some future predictions. Let's, let's, let's change topics. Sure. I'm sorry. Um, you know, something I was thinking about today was just how, like, you know right now we're kind of expecting a vaccine to be the savior in this coronavirus outbreak. And I read something the other day, basically saying that there's like 13 different strains of it. So it's like, how effective is this vaccine really going to be against containing it, making it so that it's not being transmitted between people when there's so many variations, like what is the vaccine really protecting you against? And you think about like flu viruses or whatever. And just historically, like the flu, like you're getting a flu shot, it's really not providing the efficacy you're expecting. Like you're not expecting to not get the flu when you get a flu shot. Like there's still a good chance you get it. And honestly, the years I've gotten a flu shot are the years when I've gotten a flu, gotten the flu. Like it's not like- Aren't they injecting you with the virus so you create antibodies to defend yourself against it? Right, right. But you know, these viruses mutate, which is why you get them every, why you get a new flu every year. So it's like, what are you really getting a shot for, right? Mm And I just think, like, our expectation of, you know, being able to reopen everything the second this vaccine comes and, like, oh, like, people are going to be able to do whatever they were doing before, like, there is going to be a spread, is kind of, like, ludicrous. Like, that's not the that's not the timeline in my mind about how we're going to combat and, like, get over this hump in terms of, you know, beating this virus or becoming a functioning society again after this virus like in my mind, what's going to happen more likely is we're going to have to develop the infrastructure to handle a mass outbreak. We're going to have to develop the infrastructure to begin treating this like it's the new flu, like where it's something that takes out 50,000, 100,000, 200,000 lives a season. Because like we're, we're talking about creating a virus for something that has a very similar DNA structure to the common cold, which obviously is something that we've never really implemented a vaccine for in the past and when we're looking at the numbers of like you know what kind of negative impacts does shutting down the country have in the long term like can we sustain a global shutdown for an extended period of time the answer is hell no there's no way we could be shut down for four years and our society still functioning you know like so timeline of like well the question is 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 there a solution that prevents this virus from spreading right now? And in my mind, just from what I've read anecdotally, like I don't think that there is a guaranteed long-term solution in terms of like, you know, this will be the end of it. It's over after this. I don't think that that like anecdote exists right now. 
So I think what we need to do is as a country, as a global economy, provide the infrastructure for hospitals for this first big outbreak when we do reopen the country. Like, I'm not saying we do it all at once, but I'm saying like, you know, there needs to be some idea of like, we're going to open up parts of it and let it spread a little bit, gain immunity in that section, and then let it spread again and so forth. And like, you don't even need to open up everything all at once. Like non-essential businesses, like, and I'm not talking like paint and wood, which is what they've been in Michigan, which in my mind is absolutely absurd. Like, why are you preventing something that could be operated online from operating at all? Like, why are you literally, while the economy's down, kicking in the fucking nose? Like, makes no sense to me. And, like, granted, there's other external factors with that. Like, the governor of Michigan is trying to get the Biden seat, uh, VP seat, or position. So, like, you know, that's kind of a anomaly in terms of what people are doing. But the governors nationally are doing some weird shit in terms of, like, what their policy standpoints are. Just you know, it's going to be very, very PC in terms of, oh, we're not going to let a single life die right now. Like, we're not going to let it, you know, one life is all that matters. Like, we're not going to let a single person die. But, like, every day we're shut down. People are, like, start, like, getting on the verge of, like, starving. Like, they're not getting, they're not able to pay their rent. There's suicide risk. There's so many other things. And it's like, yeah, we're, we're preventing coronavirus deaths by doing this. But at the same time, are we causing other deaths that would not have occurred because we're doing this? So this whole like movement of like, oh, every life matters as the talking point is kind of backwards in my mind. Because like by doing things like this that are so extreme and probably what the not what isn't the long term solution to this problem is kind of a step backwards in my mind. And like we're causing more deaths by doing this. But my larger point is, is that my future prediction on this thing right now is we need to get the infrastructure set up to handle an outbreak we need to get these hospitals these prop hospitals ready to have you know massive amounts of like patients and just be ready for like something that's bad like we we weren't ready for it the first time it came but now we've got a concept of like the spread rate and everything like that we should be ready for it the second time and sort of let our you know or like United States as a whole build some immunity to this virus, similar to how like, you know, every year you're not getting the flu again. Like if you get the flu the previous year, you're probably not going to get it the next year and like let it take its course to a certain extent. You know, it's just another thing that we're going to have to deal with as a society for the next hundred thousand years, like whatever, yeah, like we're going to have another virus that comes out. We never know. And right. you could see that as a societal level up, you know, either building immunity or just not being so complacent this time between pandemics because it's happened in the past. We haven't seen one like it in our lifetime, but, you know, we are going to need to build up a little bit. And uh, something I will say is this is as a societal level up. Um, it can cause a lot of anxiety, especially as an empathetic person trying to figure out how to solve this for everyone when you're really not in too much of a position to help. So, um I mean, definitely follow your best methods on, on what you can do to, you know, slow the spread and stay indoors and things like that. But I would almost more focus on your personal development at this point, uh, you know, coming out as better. And, you know, in terms of the pandemic itself, coming out as more cautious uh, of not spreading things like these and, you know, being a little bit more sanitary and things like that. Be your own savior through this than trying to expect the government or someone else to save you, you know? Yeah. Jared, you have uh, 
Yeah, uh, one thing I do want to just cover um, in, in regards to what Connor mentioned. Um, just today for the first time, um, I, it could be the first time, but at least uh, Donald Trump came out and, and mentioned that we are at um, well more than, than the capacity that we need uh, for ventilators and other medical equipment. Um, and thanks to the legislation, I don't recall it by name, um, but that was used you know, during World War II to help start producing um, you know, military vehicles and things like that uh, for the war. Um, but we have enough ventilators and medical supply um, in stock for the federal government so that we can, uh, we, we have enough, well, well, more than enough supply for our states, but we are now able to actually export our medical, medical supplies um, around the world. So uh, I'm thankful that our administration is uh, taking a significant step forward to helping this pandemic actually uh, epidemic on a uh, gl global access uh, on a global environment here so i just wanted to say that yeah definitely i think to stop this this off um personally this might be a hot take um but i think this whole thing is a is a whole level up in itself um or while we're going through this a lot of people are going through some tough times i mean going back to dealing with the hard stuff in life and then being appreciative of the destination afterwards i mean we're going through that hard time right now i mean the, a lot of spiritual leaders and a lot like if you've ever read dolores cannon she talks about like the new earth um i, I believe that and the, if you are religious at all you know about like the apocalypse and the kind of massive event that's supposed to happen and i believe this is one of the early steps of that i think we've seen some a little bit of that happening before but now we're going through this global mass awakening um and some and the earth is physically changing from uh, 3D consciousness to a 5D consciousness where we're focused more on the energies, frequencies, and vibrations, which Tesla's famous quote, if you think of the terms of frequencies and energy and vibrations, you understand the key of the universe. Ridiculous. Um, uh, and uh, Nicholas Tesla in this situation? Nikola Tesla. Yeah. And Nikola. Okay. Um, and I... I mean, I've been going through this spiritual awakening for two, three years now. Um, and, a, and a lot of people, this is the first step to start looking introspectively and start looking at what, who they are as an individual, what the value they're providing to society and just focusing on leveling up through this process. And sometimes that, that means breaking down what you had before and recreating a new foundation. So we see a lot of backtracking back to old habits and recognizing that um and uh then seeing that oh i don't really want to be back in this bad habit where i'm eating unhealthy just sitting watching netflix all the time watching videos and then, as i've started to do i'm creating this podcast started streaming it's, started creating. it's a huge personal development time and i'm excited to see what the new earth has to bring i mean what do you guys think I mean, it's a hot take but yeah. yeah, no, I've done that. I, like, I've lived that life of like, oh, hey, man, I don't have anything to do. Like, I'm taking the semester off college. I'm just going to like hang out and like, like literally do nothing. Like, that life sucked, bro. It was not fulfilling. I hated it. 
Um, and I felt that like even the relationships that I was around, I was not treating those well at all. Mm. Like I just low motivation. Like, like I was driving Lyft. I only had to pay $250 in rent. Like I could have gotten by on like anything. And it was a, it was great for like short term happiness, but it just wasn't fulfilling at all. If I would have been at the steps that I've been taking today in my personal life back then, I feel like I would have been a completely different person. And right now I would have been steps above from where I am. But because of I wanted to live that short term happiness, and I'm sure that we all have taken that life that, you know, part of our life. Um, if we, if I could have taken the steps, I, I would be in a different, different spot today, man. Yeah. I also, yeah. but I also think that that's a necessary, like phase of life where you it, go through it gave that. Me both extremes. It, it gave me both extremes. Yeah. That way I can find the, the rest of my life. I can walk that middle ground because I've, I've known both sides. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the more that you know, each extreme, the more you're able to follow the middle path and truly live the life that you want to live follow the right. follow the golden road yes perfect um do we have a hot take of the day yeah kyle gave a hot take with the oh. mind control yeah wait what did he say again the process of uh focusing on the process and working hard is mind control <laughs> yeah yeah all right now is our our, our time where we have any questions that people want to ask in the chat um feel free to ask them um is there anyone in the chat i just don't see it where is it yeah there's a three we have three viewers right now um so if anyone wants to ask a question real quick uh we'll answer it um otherwise you guys have any last thoughts on leveling up abu if you're listening Send a, send a quick question here. I know uh, he was going to try and catch this episode tonight. Uh, he had prayer at 8 o'clock, so he was able to make it. you guys have any last thoughts or tips on how to level up that you guys want to share real quick? I want to add one more thing about the whole, like, you know, decision about opening up the country again and, like, mm-hmm. opening up the global economy. And it's, like, it's really hard to do it like there's like a lot of bad things that are going to happen by doing it and like a big reason why we didn't you know let it just run its course in the beginning is because that would just be direct neglect of a large portion of our society like we're living with tons and tons of people that are over the age of 70 right now like just because of how the generations you know produce children and stuff so like right now we're facing a large percentage of our population is facing extreme uh, repercussions from this virus spreading in that manner. And like, you know, that's, that's obviously really, really scary. Like you don't, you don't want to just say like, okay, well, like you're not a functioning, you're not like contributing to society anymore. So we don't care about you anymore. Like that's, that's a big thing. That's like scary about this virus is that like, they're so high risk and, opening up the country is just like directly impacting them. Like it's going to kill tons of them and it's scary. Yeah. I mean, I think we've, we've closed down the physical country, but like the internet still exists and I'm glad that we have this tool. I'm 
I think we I think it's more of instead of how to open up the society that we had before is more how do we evolve into a society where we we use the internet as a support system to create new outlets for people to provide benefit to society. Yeah, but I just don't see it being okay to just live like this forever, man. Like I, I mean, can't, it's not going to be like this forever, but I think now is a good time to like things are going to be different. It could just be a memory, you know. It could almost just be like um, effects of you know terrorist events or things like that. Um, things are always going to be different, but it's it's not going to really fully ruin or dictate life or anything like that. My best recommendation and my closing thought in general. It's to kind of cut down anxiety in general um, is that focus on yourself. It's not selfish to focus on yourself. It's the most productive to focus on yourself. And it's really the best for society as a whole as well. Cause if you're trying to focus on other people and other things that you can't control, um, you're stressing yourself out because it, it's in what I just said, you can't control it. You know, but man, like thinking about yourself in this situation, you're what under 30, obviously. So um, obviously the best scenario for you right now is the economy opens up, job prospects begin to appear again, and unemployment drops dramatically. But when you're not thinking about yourself in that instance, tons of old people are dying. And what like, are you going to do about here, it? Here's the thing is that in terms of yourself right now, opening the economy would be the best move by 100 miles. Like letting those old people, old people die off. I'm unconcerned with that. I have, I have no professional experience that I could say what the best move would be. But like I do about the older people perspective from your personal perspective, getting these defined pension plans to be dropped dramatically in terms of what we have expected payouts for these municipal governments, for these, you know, larger entities that have payments due to these people that are, you know, not contributing to their companies anymore. And or like the entity as a whole anymore. Like Chicago, for example, has cops on their payroll right now in terms of defined pensions that are making more than their entry level level employees that are like in their 70s. And it's like Chicago has one of the biggest deficits out of any um, like state in the, I mean, any city in the country. So it's just like one of those things where it's like, you know, you're looking at macroeconomic benefit for yourself obviously the best thing for someone under 30 right now is to let it run its course it's just like i have one very simple question for you then yeah yeah very simple question what do you suggest that i and the other men who are in a similar position age-wise and economically on the podcast do if not focus on ourselves right now well focusing on yourself would mean you know doing everything social distancing keeping away from elderly people letting people who have a higher risk of contracting the virus to stay separate from us right now, assisting other people, maybe if they're misinformed on how to get unemployment or things like that, really doing the best you can, but you can't put the whole world on your shoulders. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I I get what you're saying. I'm just saying best for yourself in this situation. Isn't that, you know, like being a progress, being like a push, uh, like, you know, driver of a movement to reopen the country would probably be the best thing for you. That's that's sort of my point. I mean, like, there's some people under 30 who have respiratory issues. I'm not driving for anything. This, you know, I mean that. Yeah. it's not the best solution for everyone. I'm more observing this. Like, I'm not I'm not driving for the country to be open. I'm in no hurry for anything. I I really have no particular stance on this because what would I know about the virus or anything besides what I consume from the news? And how do I even know that isn't biased? So, 
really the best course of action for me is to observe this and, you know, take into knowledge moving forward. But I really have no large effect I could have on society as a whole, more so just my circle, maybe my five people, maybe my 50 people in my life. And I'm distancing myself from those who may be at any type of risk. I'm not pushing for the country to be open in no way. I know that I'm in a, a very good position. And to circle back what I was talking to about before, instead of thinking, ha ha, this is so cool. I still have my job. You know, I'm really unaffected. I'm healthy. I'm very, very grateful to have my job. I'm very, very grateful that people in my life do not have this virus and things like that. So really the gratitude and the observance of what's around me is kind of leading to my personal growth. Not, not looking at, I want the country to open up and that be my personal growth. I'm talking being in my apartment, working out, eating well, doing the best I can at my job to help people who are suffering during this time is personal growth for me. Right. But think about it like this, the other people under 30 who are not necessarily dependent on tech or specifically like you're working for a, um, you know, tell us you're working for time on a cable basically, like you have to realize that that is a very protected industry in an event like this. Like think about the people that were working in grocery stores or, you know, working for managing, managing, like, you know, actually actual store locations who like shut down and people like I that. I think about that, but what could I do about that? Why stress about that? That had nothing to do with me. Well, my point, my larger point is, is that when I'm saying, when you're asking me, like, what, what should I do as someone under 30? I'm saying generally for people under 30, the, the, the economic, the optimal thing for you from an economical standpoint would be to push for a, an economy to be opened again, right? It wouldn't be like for you specifically, but rather for people under 30 who are at risk of losing jobs right now, that they should be pushing for that if they were operating in their best interest, right? That's sort of the reason why I'm saying like, do you really want to be operating exclusively in your best interest right now? Or are you concerned about you know, people that are in higher risk groups. So. I, already, I already kind of clarified at the difference between focusing on my best interest of wanting the country to open up and focusing on my personal best interest in, in bettering my life and, you know, not pushing for that because to me that would be a selfish move and, you know, a little bit of an ignorant move as well. So I'm on your side with that. And that's certainly not what I'm pushing for. So do you think that what I'm doing is any different than what I could or should be doing to benefit society at this point while waiting for, you know, the, the governors who actually know better to make these decisions and let this whole process run its course? Right. Well, in my opinion, it's very hard to say because, like, again, you know, there's a lot of people that are prone to losing their jobs right now and you're not one of them. So it's difficult for you to have a lot of incentive right now to be a part of these protests that are pushing for reopening the economy and reopening. I don't, don't. you know, you don't, I'm just saying like, you don't have a lot of stake in um, terms of, you know, you lost your job type of environment. You know, there, there's millions of Americans that have lost their jobs. And I've been on unemployment before. I've talked to friends who have lost their job. Tons of them. I talk to people on the phone every day who have. You didn't have a job for five months. Long time. I didn't have a job for five months. Jared's right. Um, yeah, like I'm, I'm on your side. Like I, I hear your passion. I, I get it. Um, basically, what I'm saying is I'm, I'm not on the side of the people who would want the country to open up. So I feel like your stance is almost like devil's advocate against a ghost because that's that's not me. Like you're talking to me where that's not my stance. 
Right. I'm not saying that I'm, 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 I am aware that it's not your stance. I'm just saying like, you know, there's validity to that stance as well, I guess. It's yeah, sort of my point. Like, you know, it, like, dude, you're, you're, here, here's the, lar- the larger point that I'm trying to make right now. It's that there's weight into this argument, right? It's like reopening the country would provide direct benefit to the people that are place, facing unemployment right now. And reopening the country would, you know, produce direct negative effects to the older population. And it's like, you know, weighing those pros and cons, weighing lives. And like, there are, trust me, there are lives on both sides. It's not just, you know, not opening the country is going to be, you know, like saving old people. It's like, it's going to be killing young people too. Like, it's going to be, you know, detrimental to their long-term careers. It's going to be detrimental, like there'll be suicide, there'll be, you know, People that I, I mean, I don't know if within our country we're going to be facing starvation I mean, because that's how the government intervenes. But like, you know, there are lives at stakes at stake on both ends of our decision here. And I guess that's my point is like it's, it's a tough decision. It's tough to tell what the best move is, what you should be pushing for right now. And honestly, with a lack of information, like every day I read something and it switches my opinion by like 10, 15 percent. So it's like super weird to be like, you know, receiving these anecdotal things, these pieces of information that I'm just like, oh, this is really good. And then, oh, this is really bad. And it's like, I don't know what to think. Because we started this whole process with so much inaccurate facts from the very start. We're all being told these different things and have no idea. So the a uniform idea of what this virus is, how it spreads, and how it's going to affect our lives is so skewed from the actual truth that it could be possible that none of us even know what we're talking about. Like, I, I honestly have have lost all personal faith in, in my knowledge. Oh, of what I, I, I like try to just synthesize the most reliable sources and try to make an opinion off that but even that is garbage like i don't know what the fuck you're talking about mm-hmm. <laughs> so we have That's focus on yourself right now it's a lot of things that we're not the professional expert on it sounds like it's causing you a lot of stress and anxiety and feeling bad for a situation that isn't your fault and that you probably don't have little to hardly any say in improving the situations for these people directly like you're not a governor you're not a scientist who's who's in on you know taking care of these problems and things like that and if you'd like right. to be then let your personal develop be shooting for that. But it sounds like you do have the, like, put the world on your shoulders complex right now, which is noble, but, man, your back's only so strong. Like, I've been there, and it, it hurts to kind of try man, to stay. I have, I have no interpretation. Like, I have no, uh, like, I, I'm not putting that pressure on myself. Like, I don't have anxiety regarding this. Like, honestly, from my perspective, I'm sitting idle. I'm not make, I'm not pushing on social movements against it. I'm not pushing for certain things. I'm really just letting it take its course because it's kind of out of the scope of what's relevant to me right now. I think it's the, that's oh, the best that we can do right now. Not even. Like, you know, to be saying like, I'm not doing anything. Cause like, yeah, like sometimes you feel like you should be doing something, but like, I mean, you right are now, doing I, something by not doing something. Storm. That's the I mean, part about I mean, it. That's, that's true as much as saying not voting an election is doing something, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, not by voting staying in an election home is doing something, man. What are you saying? I mean, it, it, you're making a decision not to do something is a decision, nonetheless. Um, so I think those are all great points. We have two questions. 
if you guys want to uh, speak on either of these to end the podcast. So the first mm-hmm. question is, what's one step I can take today to level up in my personal life? And the other one is, how does the effect of visual- visualization help leveling up? Let's use the cliff analogy. You have, you're looking up at the cliff of where you want to be, and you're wondering, how do I get there? Look down at the first step you can take. That's something you can do today. And then tomorrow, there will be a new step. Absolutely. I think visualize, visualization helps a lot with, if you don't know where you're going, you're never going to get there. So if you have a goal, like no matter what it is, if it's small, if it's big, just have a, have a goal and makes make the those inc- incremental steps to get there every day yeah, yeah I, agree, I, was, uh, I, agree. I was eating i was i was afk for a little bit i was eating dinner but just to answer okay. that question i think it's important to uh figure out what you actually want like i know we're kind of debating like what we should what like policy should be enacted like you know one or two abstractions away from this current moment but i think it's very important to look at multiple timelines like sure everything we're seeing is probably fucking bullshit everyone's got an agenda like nothing is objectively true you can make multiple arguments everywhere but like i think you need to the important thing is when you're determining where you should level up how you should level up and what direction you should try to uh move towards is you should look where these multiple timelines converge because like i i kind of subscribe to the theory that like uh time like the future is both like set and it also isn't set like there's different timelines that we could possibly reach like we could see different outcomes determining on whatever the fuck could happen uh, and I think that the most important thing is just deciding that you're going to level up towards like a convergence is what I'm saying. It's just, it hedges your bets and it's like, it's probably the most like optimal thing to do from like an EV perspective. From an EV perspective? Is that what you said? Yeah. I like it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, yeah. Also, also towards your uh, old people thing. I think that either way, old people are fucked. We open up and maybe if the virus <laughs> is real to the same degree, no, I'm being serious. Like either way we open up, like if everything that there's pro- like all this propaganda, sh- I'm not even gonna say propaganda. If all the if the what the collective conscious currently cur- currently believes, like this ethos, if it's true, then these old people might be fucked, right? Multiple strands, yada yada yada. It's right, right, circulate, yeah. yada yada yada. Okay, we don't open up. They're fucked anyway. Look at these pensions. Look at these entitlement programs. Okay, they're not gonna be funded. Okay, you talked about Chicago and Illinois. These municipality bonds are fucked. Nobody's buying them. So the government has two options. You either buy them or you let them fail. You can't let them fail because not letting a state declare bankruptcy is against the Constitution. You can't let them do that, right? So these these debts need to eventually be paid. It's unconstitutional for them not to be paid. You can make the argument that we've already abolished the First Amendment because we're not, you know, we can't gather peacefully anymore or whatever. But, you know, at the end of the day, it would be a huge step to just let these uh, – let these governments default on their loans because that would send huge ripples throughout the rest of this rest of the economic system and it's not just illinois right like texas is six weeks out i'm sure california like all these other blue states are probably gonna be fucked which is it's fucked up that even texas is six weeks out too because texas is a pretty red state but like especially in terms of like uh the way that they tax but like anyways like they're fucked either way right because like these pensions the government one way or another is gonna have to bail them out and you can only fail you can only pay for it through taxation or inflation right And you can argue that inflation is still taxation it's just taxation uh, through the loss of like spending, right? Like you, there's, there's, you, your dollar is worth less now. And that's how they're paying it out. And either way, that's how it gets yeah. to pay. Get, has to be paid. It can't be paid through taxation because our GDP yeah. is rapidly declining. We need that money now, right? And accumulating that much debt is just going to lead to a, a, a bigger explosion later, right? So either way, these old people are fucked. They're going to lose a ton of their money, and within a couple years, max, they're lucky if this shit lasts for three years. If best case scenario, we go back to week this Monday, 
and like everybody sure some motherfuckers die but like also the economy could get, we could avoid these deflationary spirals to a degree these deflationary spirals are going to be there one way or another it's it's inevitable so the government has to decide whether they're going to like oh do we pay this up front or do we let this keep ticking and then eventually we have to bail out the deflation with even more inflation which could lead to hyperflation either way it does lead to hyperinflation right like whether we have short-term deflation or short-term inflation eventually the deflationary spirals need to be bailed out with more and more inflation and if you do that then we're already experiencing stag then then that's pure stagflation right because our output our supply is continuously deploying uh decreasing right and like our gdp is shrinking so you have more and more money chasing less and less goods that's completely fucked and either way these old people are basically going to be dead and if you want it uh they're they're completely fucked it's going to be like their whole way of life is completely fucked these like moving well from our generation to the older generation was a scheme that has been worked by these socialist democrats for like decades thank fucking fdr but like now we're all fucked either way so all i'm saying is either way the old people are fucked people are gonna fucking die and if you want to level up and you actually you're sitting at home and you're wondering what can i do i would plan for that because that is where the timelines converge is what i'm saying that's a fair point i mean i i agree the you know older citizens are in a rougher position but I just want to let you guys know that if you want to continue, absolutely feel free. This is your podcast, but I actually have to sign out. And I want to thank all you guys for having me. Yeah, I had a great time. Um, got a lot of good opinions from you guys that I'll definitely take into consideration on my daily life and got to speak about some things that I haven't really told a lot of people about on a deep level. So I appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you for joining us. Appreciate Thanks, you join, coming on. Absolutely. Your story. All right, any last... Oh, yeah, sorry, that's my rant. I was, yeah, all I was good. thinking about that. Any here. last thoughts? <laughs> Yo, Cal, Cal, what's your middle name? No, Actually, worry. no, you don't have to say that. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, that's... Uh, I'm going to end really the podcast decay, now. I, I can't. I all can't right. be going around saying that. Make sure to, <laughs> make sure to follow the stream. Um, <laughs> Twitch.tv at Golden Road yeah. and at Golden Road. Make sure to follow us on all social medias at Golden Road. Um... Till next time, stay golden, my friends. Peace. Peace.